Welcome queen to the body love binge with me Victoria. Although we're all unique, honestly I'm no different to you. I'm just a girl who's been through some hard shit, figured out how to thrive and made it her life's mission to help others to do the same. I've beaten anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder and I'm a domestic abuse survivor. My intention for this podcast is to empower you with weekly episodes on all things food freedom, body love and of course juicy, yummy self-love so you can embody the healthiest and happiest version of you. Enjoy the episode my love. Welcome to another episode. How are you doing today? You know it's so freaking cold over here. It's about minus four, not right now, but it was when I woke up this morning. And I think now it's zero degrees, but I don't have a heater in my office. Well, I have a radiator. Oh my God, it sounds like I live in like a shed. (laughs) I really don't. Although if you're watching the YouTube video, seriously, I don't know what has happened to my plant. You can see it behind me. It's literally dying. And I talk to that one every day as well, so I don't, do not know what is going on. But I hope that you're that you're okay and how are you feeling today? I genuinely care and want you to ask yourself as you're listening or watching to this, how do I feel today? And just tune into yourself and let me know or let yourself know or both. Okay, really, really excited for today's episode. I miss aspects of my eating disorder. Now, when I wrote this, it was inspired by um, one of my queens in my free support group, actually, called Sarah. And it was inspired by Sarah because her question was, how do you move from missing the empty type feeling in the stomach every morning? And when I answered this in this episode, hence the episode you're listening to right now, there was so much that came up for me that I hadn't really taking the time to reflect on before in such detail. So I'm really excited to share this with you. Valter, my fiance, takes the piss out of me a little bit because it literally takes me a whole day to write my episodes and he does an article in like 15, 20 minutes. I do not know how he does that. I love writing. I really get into a flow state when I write. It just takes me a long time and I'm cool with that. And by the way, putting it out there, I am writing a book I'm going to start writing it early next year, so 2024. Potentially I might start by the end of this year, but I'm not going to make promises to myself that I can't keep because that is not good for my self-confidence. And so watch this space. There will be a book out there. I have so much to freaking say. I don't even know where to start, but it's it's out there. I've said it out loud now the first time ever in public. I am going to write a book. Yay! How exciting. And before I get into the episode, actually, something very exciting is coming up on, let me just get my calendar up to make sure I'm giving you the right dates. Block out time, if you're able, on February the 13th and February the 14th, which obviously is Valentine's Day, at 2.30 UK time for about an hour, a maximum of an hour and a half. Because me and my best friend, Rebecca, who I have learned so much from in terms of money mindset, spirituality, nervous system regulation, etc. We're doing something for free. That's going to be very exciting. So I'll leave that there for now, but block those times out. So just to clarify, 13th and 14th of February at 2.30 UK time for an hour to an hour and a half 
you won't want to miss it. All right, let me go into this then. So as I said, Sarah inspired me to write this episode and I thought her question was a great one because I used to miss the feeling of having an empty, flat stomach. I used to miss it so much along with other aspects of my eating disorder that I used to miss and that's what I want to go into today and talk about today in depth and my what word am I looking for intention for this episode is to share my personal experience I'm going to share a part that I missed and then how I feel about that now and I want others that are currently in recovery and perhaps missing their eating disorder or aspects of it, I want them to feel validated and heard. And I want to be able to support you through this because it's normal to miss aspects of your eating disorder, just as it's normal to miss aspects of a person that you was in a relationship with that was perhaps abusive, emotionally abusive, physically abusive. It's normal to miss those things. It will pass. And going back to the eating disorder is not the answer. So things I used to miss about my eating disorder. I'm going to share specifically what I used to miss and then after each one I'm going to give you an honest overview of where I'm at with that right now. So at the time of recording this I started my recovery journey five years ago. I'm 35 now. I didn't start recovery until I was 30 And this is how far along I am now. And I absolutely know you can be too. You just have to want it and that's it. And I'm going to share in detail now. So the biggest thing, the number one thing I used to miss from my eating disorder was the feeling of being empty. And as always, it's not the actual feeling of being empty in and of itself. It's what I make or what I made more so now, what I made emptiness mean. So during, due to my childhood, alongside my upbringing, alongside society's conditioning, here's what I made feeling empty mean. You may resonate. Feeling physically empty to me made me feel successful and special, like I was innately good if I was totally empty. It felt very safe reassuring and comforting. It felt like I was closer to myself somehow, completely empty with no distractions from emotions, even though now I know that I was completely disconnected from my body and myself. But at the time, it just felt right. I know that you'll understand that. And part of it felt painful to be so empty and pain was good to me. It meant that I was strong. It meant that I didn't need to be controlled by the human body's needs, such as eating, drinking even for me, using the toilet, etc. I could hear what my body was asking for, yet I had the ability to completely ignore it. Most people can't do that, and most people try to do that when they diet. I could endure pain and ignore my body's needs. And that made me honestly feel superior to others. When I took laxatives and my system was fully empty, I felt clean. And here's that word again, safe. I felt safe. I wanted to be different and I wanted to be seen and acknowledged and loved. But at the same time, I didn't want anyone to notice me. 
I wanted to be left alone, yet I was lonely. I wanted to be separate and different from everybody else, yet I longed for connection and belonging and to feel included in things. I wanted to just desperately eat a chip or a fry, wherever you're from, you have different names for it, like my sister could. But at the same time, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to fully live either. That is my experience of living in an eating disorder. And I could go on, really. But to clarify, I loved feeling empty because of what I made emptiness mean due to my childhood trauma, conditioning, and my personality. I made emptiness mean success, superiority, safety, numbness from emotions and feeling, coping, comfort, love, being seen and acknowledgement. I missed being empty or should I say I missed the feelings of what emptiness used to give me as I entered into recovery and honestly it was so bad I felt the complete opposite of those feelings in recovery. This is what giving things meaning does to you. And this is why recovery can be so freaking hard. If you make emptiness mean superiority, love, being safe, seen, acknowledgement, then because we live in a dualistic world where left, there is no left without right, there is no up without down, then fullness automatically means failure, inferiority, danger, overwhelm, rejection, unloved, not seen. No wonder you miss the feeling of emptiness if the feeling of fullness is so overwhelmingly painful, right? Just take a moment to be with yourself for a moment and just take a moment to check in with yourself and ask yourself, what does being empty, what does being hungry mean to me? Why is that so important to me? Or why am I striving for that? Whether you are quote unquote successful at doing that or not. And because you make it mean something, it's not your fault you make it mean this by the way, but because you make it mean something, because we live in a dualistic world, automatically the opposite to that is born. And in recovery, you have to have food in your tummy. And that's why it's difficult and you can absolutely overcome this. I have, my clients have, I know you can, but just take a moment to give compassion, gentleness and kindness to yourself to acknowledge this. And the good news is though, as I said, you absolutely can change this. You can change what you make fullness and and emptiness mean. And how do you do that, you ask? (laughs) Great question. I mean, it's so hard to answer this in one sentence, right? You do this by understanding and letting go of your trauma, changing your identity, beliefs, thoughts, feelings, actions, behaviors, and therefore the reality that you live in, your life. This is a quote by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Listen to this. If you want to change your personal reality, aka your life, you first, first, must change your personality. Your personality consists of your identity, your beliefs, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and then therefore your behaviors on a consistent daily basis. 
change that and you absolutely can and your whole entire life, your personal reality will change. That's why if you're an avid listener to this podcast or if you're new, welcome and also welcome back if you're an avid listener. I do go into depth about this stuff anyway, but that's why you may have listened to podcasts from other people before or perhaps read something or whatever it may be and it just doesn't make sense to you how the hell you could break free from this eating disorder, from your body hate, from body dissatisfaction. It just doesn't make sense to you how that's even possible for you. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. I'm going to have to hold my nose. Sorry. Else I'm going to sneeze. Oh, it's gone. Sorry, I digress. It seems like it's impossible for you. And I get it because I felt the same way too. But when you change your whole personal reality, that's how everything becomes possible for you. So just allow yourself to almost like open the door of potentiality and possibility that recovery and self-love and body love and food freedom is so possible for you. Of course, you don't know how to do that yet. That's you're not supposed to yet. And that's why support is so key. And if you did want support in this, then reach out to me. I work with women and men actually, but more so women in a group environment or one-to-one. And honestly, both are so incredibly powerful. And I always do what what I can to make the investment work either with an extended payment plan or something different. I make it work as much as possible for the individual. So reach out to me. Okay, now where am I at now? Do I still miss the feeling of being empty? In short, no, I do not miss the feeling of being empty anymore. In fact, the only pleasure I get from feeling empty is to know that next time I eat, it's going to feel extra satisfying. You know, when you're like super hungry and you go out for a meal or you just eat something that you're really looking forward to eating and it's so pleasurable because you're like really hungry for it. I don't advise doing that on purpose, but if I'm coaching, if I'm if my tummy is rumbling and I've not had chance to eat, because I also don't like to rush my eating. So if I've got up a bit later, I do my morning routine, etc., and I've got a client in 15 minutes, I'm not gonna try and rush my delicious breakfast. I will just wait an hour and then have it after. And if I'm not on a coaching call, I will literally say to my body out loud it's okay, sweetheart, you've only got to wait an hour or half an hour or whatever it is. We can eat then, just hang on. And I I talk to myself with such love and kindness and I get zero satisfaction or feelings of success of feeling hungry or empty. Only the desire to feed and nourish myself. And honestly, if I'm left too long, like if we order a takeaway and it says it's going to be 40 minutes, and it's like fucking hour and 15 minutes, I'm hangry, because I don't want to ruin my hunger by eating something, I'm really wanting to look forward to it, and then when it's late, it pisses me off, and I'm so hungry, it's not funny, I'm sure you can also relate to that, I also healed all of my eating disorder, I've, I've shared briefly, but I want to just give a few more bullet points here, by doing the inner work to get to full recovery and self-love, And that was by getting support, by rewiring my fear of weight gain, that was a big one, by understanding and then letting go of my trauma, by changing my personality, again, identity, beliefs, thoughts, feelings, actions and behaviours, by reflecting on my values 
and purposely living in alignment with them. That's a really key part of what I coach in. By connecting to and with my self-worth and self-love, letting go of needing to be the best or to prove something. Now that was frigging huge for me. Honestly, it's really difficult to put into words how I got to where I am. It's more of a journey you go on and then you need to experience it. It's like if I was to describe to you the beautiful sunset that I saw, which I didn't because I'm in bed, but sunrise more more accurately, you would be able to vision it, but it's something you need to experience for yourself. And this is the same with recovery. You can listen and understand, but you need to experience it and then you'll get it. And I've got here and so have my clients and I know that you can too. But here's what else I used to miss about my eating disorder. Let me just have a bit of my drink. By the way, I have this really cute, let me see, you won't be able to see this on the podcast, sorry, I can't see me, where am I? This really cute little tea thing look. It's in the shape of a teapot that I spilled all over myself. And you put tea leaves in there and then put it in hot water. That smells so good. And this one is lemon chai and I have it in my unicorn diet mug, which basically for those on the podcast, it's a mug, a really big mug. And it's got a unicorn and a blonde woman riding the unicorn with sweets and pink and sparkly stuff all over the mug. So let me just have a sip. That's so good. I have no idea how this is, is going for the podcast. Sorry about that. Okay, what else I used to miss about my eating disorder? Being thin, being lean, being small. Actually, if I think about it, that's probably the number one thing that I miss. I would say this is the biggest thing that I miss or miss, and I'm gonna go into that in a minute. The second thing would have been the emptiness. So I used to love being thin when I was in the anorexia, and I loved being lean when I was in the bulimia. I didn't see how thin I was in the anorexia, even though I could see every bone in my body and count every rib and every backbone and hip bone and all of that. I knew I wasn't quote fat, whatever that even means, but I also wanted the number on the scales to go down. I secretly loved it when I used to have to have medical weigh-ins and the scales went down and I both loved and it I had mixed emotions about it because my mum was distraught. But every time it went down, I was like, yes. Oh my God, I remember that so well. But I always wanted the number on the scales to go down. And I secretly loved it when someone would say, oh my God, you are way too thin. You're so thin. Are you okay? I thought they were only jealous because so many people wish that they could restrict themselves. And I'd watched my mom and my auntie's diet my whole entire life after all. And I was quote successfully doing it to the extreme. In my bulimia, when I was super lean, it felt amazing when people would comment on my body. They would say things like, wow, your body is insane. I wish I looked like you. Or your body is just unreal. I wish I had your discipline. I bet you don't eat any chocolate or any bad foods. Yes, I'm labeling because that's what they used to say. And I also that's how I used to label food too. I'd often also had married men attempt to date me. And then when I would ask them outright about their relationship, they would say things like, yeah, but look at you, you're different, you're every man's dream. 
And this to me equated to being lean equals being desired, being loved and being safe from being cheated on by your partner. Honestly, that is what I experienced so much in terms of men. I'm not saying every man is like this and I definitely didn't know that there are men out there like my now fiancé Bouter. He is an absolute gold, gold, I was going to say gold mine, that doesn't make sense. He's definitely one in a million, but there's there's plenty of really decent men out there. I was clearly just attracting those type of people because I needed validation and we attract what we believe about ourselves, right? I didn't feel worthy of being in a relationship that wasn't, I wasn't in a relationship with these married men, by the way, but I didn't feel worthy of attracting a partner who was available to be in a relationship with because I didn't feel good enough. But my experiences that I had had from those married men wanting to be with me and saying things like, yeah, but you're different, you're every man's dream. It just kept ticking the boxes and cementing my already belief that in order to be safe in a relationship, you need to be desired, you need to look a certain way. That's bullshit now, but that was just my reality for so long. And also, I genuinely liked the look of my body when I was fitness modeling. So many people in the eating disorder recovery space, and I'm not saying they're lying, of course I'm not, they say, I didn't even like myself when I was this weight, and I didn't even like myself when I got this small. I did... And that was really hard for me to let go of. Now, let me be honest with you, but it's I did and I'm so glad I did. Granted, it was never good enough. I liked the way I looked when I was thin, but it was never good enough. But at least I was proud of what I'd achieved and the validation from others made it all worthwhile at the time. I had similar feelings about being thin as I did when I felt empty. I felt successful, desired, superior, safe, comforted, seen, loved, acknowledged. So where am I now? Where am I at now? Do I miss being thin? Do I miss being lean? You know, I am so radically honest and raw with you always. And so the answer to this question is both yes and no. Let me explain. I miss looking in the mirror I say miss, it's not like I'm thinking much about it, but if you, if I'm always honest with you, I miss a little bit looking in the mirror and loving the way my body looks physically. I miss being able to buy any clothes and just wear it and it just fitting me and being comfortable without really too much thought. I miss feeling really light and agile when I'm running and when I'm training. Please don't run away from this podcast. <laughs> please don't stop recovery. I'll speak to this more in a moment. Let me phrase this in a different way. If someone asked me, Victoria, would you like a million euros or a million pounds? What do you think I would say? Right? Let's not beat around the bush. Being thin, being lean gives you social capital. More men will desire you or so we're told. More women will envy you or so we're told. You get served quicker in bars and things like that. You're more likely to get what you want, so we're told. And unfortunately, that's how fucked up society is because most of that is true from my experience. And people will want to be like you, or so we think they want to be like us. We're human and we have ego, so who doesn't want those things, right? However, 
at what cost? This is where my hard no comes in right now. I do not miss anything that I had to do and who I had to be in order to be lean. Bulimia, obsessed with my body, obsessed with food, obsessed with my toilet habits, my happiness and self-worth completely relying fully on how I look. I do not miss my shallow egotistic values all based on what I look like. But they also were at their core rooted in deep fear of not being good enough and not being loved. No way, Jose, do I miss any of that. Plus now, I deeply love and accept myself and my body and how it looks. It doesn't mean anything negative to me anymore if I don't like the way I look. I wouldn't trade self-love and acceptance for thinness and a million pounds, really. So if someone was like, you could be back to your thin self in the same mindset and everything, and I would give you a million pounds. No, hell no, absolutely no way. Because what I have gained as well as weight is my sanity, my happiness, self-love, a deeper, more aligned values, freedom, connection to myself, my body and others, a meaningful life, an incredible relationship and honestly, so much freaking more, really. So yes, in answer to wrap up this question, I do miss very small aspects of my lean body, but what I have now is a thousand million, trizillion, gazillion, make up a word for a number times, better and more important to me than loving my physical reflection in the mirror, clothes fitting easier and me feeling light and fast during fitness. Knowing what I know now and feeling how I feel now in my body and my life, restriction is just not worth it. Another thing I missed about my eating disorder It was my number one coping mechanism. Restriction was my number one coping mechanism in life. It made me, people think that food's the problem. Food isn't the the problem, restriction is a problem. We are not addicted to food, we're addicted to restriction because of what we make that mean, right? Restriction made me feel safe, there's the word again, and in control. It made me feel safe and in control. It stopped me from feeling all the feelings and it distracted me big time. It was also so easy to blame my body anytime I felt anxious, uncertain, angry or upset with anything in life that had nothing to do with my body, yet I would unconsciously make it about my body. My body was my greatest scapegoat. Didn't get the job, must be because I needed to lose weight. Didn't get the man, need to get to the gym more. Not sure how this situation in my life is actually gonna pan out, it's really uncertain. If I lose weight, then everything will fall into place. Sound familiar? When I started recovery and my coping mechanism was gone, aka restriction, shit hit the fan, big time. I felt so overwhelmed, I felt so out of control, I didn't even know who the fuck I was or what to do. 
And in all honesty, it took a while and a lot of exploration, a shit ton of self-compassion to find other ways to cope in life and with life. Emotional eating, which then always spiraled into binge eating, was my second choice of coping mechanism. It's the other side of the coin of restriction. They're both two sides of the same coin, binge eating and restriction. But when I added in ways to self-soothe and practiced feeling my feelings occasionally, journaling about them really helped. I was naturally and gradually able to move away from restriction and binge eating and find other ways to support me, such as learning how to dance on an app. By the way, I can't dance. I'm just playing with it, but it's fun anyway, and it's, it's distracting and it gets me like in my body as well. Foam rolling, I kind of like doing that. Some yoga, listening to music, journaling, cuddling my dog. I have a Malamute and he's just like a big wolf and gives the best cuddles. Asking for support from my fiance and saying, can I have a cuddle and just hold me for a minute. Watching a movie, going, I mean, if I could, I guarantee, (laughs) actually, this is going to be so true. I guarantee that my number one or two coping mechanism now, if it was possible, would be for me to go and get a hug from my mum. And I can't because I'm in Holland and she's in England. But otherwise, I would literally, and I know that not everyone has the gift of having their mum still here as one, or the gift of having a relationship such as the one I do with my mum, which is so loving. But I would legitimately just go around my mum's for a cup of tea and a hug. That's what I would do. So find ways that nourish you, that nourish you emotionally, physically. Nature is a big thing for me. I'd say that was probably my number one is to just get out with nature and sometimes just feel my feelings because you know what? The worst thing that will ever happen to you is you will feel a feeling. You're strong enough to feel a feeling. Trust me. You have a 100% survival rate. You are still here. Restriction is not the answer. It's a self-harming behavior. So where I'm at now, do I still miss restriction as my coping mechanism? I do not miss restriction as my coping mechanism anymore. And the more spiritual development that I do, the more I'm able to surrender to what is. I don't really feel the need to cope anymore as I've learned to accept and surrender whatever's happening in my life and also to always look for the lesson in the challenging times. So when you're able to cope with your feelings, feel them and let them go, you don't need to cope anymore. I mean, let's be honest, I'm not Buddha, I'm not Jesus, far from it. And so of course I'm not always able to just fully surrender and embrace the present moment and embrace what is But when I'm not able to access that, my coping mechanism is to spend time alone. So whether that's taking myself off to the cinema on a solo date and some yummy snacks and just me and the movie and just space for myself, including the drive there, like everything about that I really love. And also spending time in nature. Anything that gets me out of my own head and connected to something else, whether that be the storyline of a movie and the deeper meaning of that movie and something greater than I am, like nature, just wondrous to me. 
Um, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but if you're listening to it quite recently, um, the new Avatar movies just came out, Avatar The Way of Water. Holy shit. I, that's what I took myself for a solo cinema date last Sunday. Oh my God, it was so nourishing. And the movie, I honestly, I think I'm going to put it out there and say it's the best movie I've ever seen in my whole entire life because there is so much depth to that movie if you're conscious to see it and to feel it. It's a phenomenal movie. It means so much more than the movie. I think you know what I mean. If you haven't watched it, go and watch it. You don't really need to have watched the first one, I guess. I mean, it will be helpful to watch the first one first, which is what I did. I'd never watched Avatar in my life until a couple of weeks ago. Watched the first one. It was everything that I didn't think it was, and I loved it. And then I went and took myself off to watch it last Sunday. It was epic. So definitely go and watch it if you haven't already. The next thing that I missed about my eating disorder is having it as my identity. When I was anorexic, it was who I was. It was what I was good at, right? I was really good at it. (laughs) Everyone treated me as I was anorexic. I felt cared for and I loved it when people worried about me. Not, I didn't love people worrying, but you know what I mean. I simultaneously... I simultaneously, (laughs) I seriously wondered when I was going to fuck up a word and here it is. I both and, I'm going to go with that, loved and hated the attention and the extra care I got. At my core, I wanted to be taken care of. I wanted someone to come and save me, but nobody could. Because turns out, it's only you that can save yourself, right? The longer I was in anorexia, the more I identified with it. It became who I was at an identity level. I unconsciously used it as an excuse to not be able to recover because I was anorexic and anorexic just don't eat. I would spend time on pro-ana websites, which I think thankfully they're really good at blocking nowadays. And I felt like I belonged. I was one of them. I would hear professionals say things like, you'll never truly get rid of an eating disorder, you just learn to live with it in a different way. And anorexia is extremely difficult to recover from fully and many, many do not recover. I was basically living in learned helplessness. I call bullshit on that. I understand perhaps why therapists and professionals will say that if that's their personal experience or the experience of that of their clients. It's so possible to fully recover from an eating disorder. I am living proof of that. So are many of my clients. It's absolutely possible. Do not allow yourself to live in quasi-recovery or to live a lie that you'll never truly be fully recovered and you'll always hear the eating disorder thoughts. You just don't act on them. No, you can rewire your brain and rewire your fear of weight gain and change your whole reality. So I call bullshit on those that say you can't fully recover. Yes, you can. And I speak from personal experience with that. Okay, I wanna share a quote from the incredible Tony Robbins. And he says, identity, this incredible invisible force that controls your whole life. It's invisible like gravity is invisible but it controls your whole life, Tony Robbins. So if we don't become aware 
of what we are choosing as our identity, then we will never be able to change it. Our identity feels like it's who we are. But let me tell you this, you are so much more than your identity. You are literally infinite possibility, really. Over time, my eating disorder morphed into bulimia and then eventually binge eating disorder. And so when I was in the bulimia, I identified as being super fit and really lean. And others would say I was super healthy. I mean, jokes, if they only, if only they knew. I always had a goal I was working towards and it was always weight loss and improving my fitness or building my shoulders up or building my glutes and bringing my waist in, blah, blah, blah. It gave me purpose, it gave me drive, it gave me motivation and a sense of achievement and it felt good and I was really good at it and well, who the fuck would I be without it? And honestly as well, the gym world was like a family. I'm not shitting on the gym world by the way, I love the gym and I love fitness and I still do, I just, I'm in it, I'm in it in a different way. So when I, I don't regret any of what I went through and even the experience I had at the gym when I almost, and I didn't, and I'm so glad I didn't, when I was prepping for a bodybuilding competition, I almost started to take illegal steroids and drugs to help me get lean and build muscle. I'm so glad I didn't, but it's very tempting when you're in that world, it's pretty normal. That's the problem. So yeah, anyway, I digress. But honestly, I thought... If you don't spend your entire life trying to lose weight and then sustain that weight loss, then what are you supposed to do with your life? Seriously, you're born and then therefore you diet, right? No, it doesn't have to be that way. When we say the words, I am, we are literally casting a spell to keep us in that I am at an identity level. When you say things like, I am anorexic, I am a binge eater, I am bulimic, I am terrified of weight gain, I am not enough. Even to the point where we say, excuse me, not that, even to the point where we say, I am anxious, I am sad, I am lonely, I am angry. No, you're not all of those things. You are experiencing them. You, the true you, is infinite possibility you are experiencing what you're currently experiencing. Detach yourself from anything that you identify as and start to notice that you are infinite. You can be, do and have anything that you truly desire, including food, freedom and body love. I know that that sounded a bit (laughs) preachy. You can have anything you, and it's true, right? Come at me with these questions. Okay, Victoria, well, can I be a professional basketball player? Do you want to be at your soul's desired core? No. Or are you just trying to ask me that to prove me wrong when I say you can literally have anything you truly desire? Right? Listen to that. Whatever you truly desire is possible for you. Otherwise, you would not desire it. So where I'm at now, do I miss having an eating disorder as my identity? Hell no. When I let go of identifying as a person with an eating disorder, when I let go of 
the ideal body that I'd been chasing since I was nine years old and honestly achieved said ideal body for almost five years. And when I took the time to write out my vision of who I'd like to be, everything started to shift. I was no longer unconsciously holding on to my identity as someone with an eating disorder. I was moving towards the new version of me that didn't have an eating disorder. By letting go of the identity that had been keeping me stuck, even though I said I wanted to do different things, I wasn't taking the action as if I wanted to. When I let go of that identity, I was then able to move forward and make huge progress and heal. I want you to have an identity crisis so you can create a new identity for yourself. I personally now identify as a soul living in a human experience and I allow myself to follow my heart and live in alignment with my values wherever that takes me. I know that I am infinite possibility and I know that my GPS in life is my heart and my intuition. Now, you don't have to believe in the woo-woo spirituality stuff like I do to be free from yourself. You can create a new identity that serves you. For example, you can choose to identify as someone who loves their body and loves themselves and eats with freedom nourishment, pleasure and intuition. You can't heal from an eating disorder if you're acting like someone with an eating disorder. The amazing Tabitha Farrar. Okay, the last thing that I used to miss in my eating disorder, when I was recovering from my eating disorder, I used to miss the high that binging gave me. So as my anorexia morphed into a bulimia, then it morphed into binge eating disorder without the bulimia afterwards, I honestly used to miss so much that intense feeling right before and at the start of a binge. The rush of excitement, of adrenaline, of release and pleasure and freedom and allowance the anticipation of buying the binge foods, knowing the release and the pleasure that I'd feel when I started eating those foods. The almost drug-like high, and I've never taken drugs, so I'm just assuming, the drug-like high that I used to get when I started eating. The taste, the pleasure, the letting go, the letting go of resistance, the freedom. It felt so good. It was almost like a part of me really enjoyed starving and feeling deprived because I knew that I would soon cave and binge anyway and it would feel so good compared to the restriction. It was like the opposite. You know when like you're really cold and then you get in a house and you warm up and it feels so good or when you're desperate, same with like a a hot shower, when you've been out in the rain or whatever, I used to work with horses and spend the whole frigging day outside in the cold and wet and rain, nowhere to get warm. And when you get home and have a warm shower, oh my God, that feels so good. It's like the extreme and I have a very extreme personality. It was like I lived for the highs and the lows, but of course the highs only lasted such a short period of time because the low would come the second I finished eating, binge eating, 
the shame, the self-loathing, the fear of weight gain, the anxiety, the panic, this overwhelming feeling of panic and fear, the plan to restrict and to start a new diet again the next day. Honestly, I only stopped dieting when I did because I was unable to diet for longer than an hour at this point. It it was like I'd lost my inability. No, it was like I lost my ability to restrict. I don't know what the fuck happened. Well, I do know what happened because I'm an expert in this and I'm not even going to talk about that. It's in my podcast, Ask Me The Question Outright. I lost my ability to restrict and I just literally couldn't diet anymore. And so... I was just binging all the time and that didn't feel good because I wasn't even getting the high from the binges anymore because I wasn't restricting in between the binges. It was just one big fucking binge fest and self-hate. That's when I reached out for help and that's when I hit rock bottom. Where am I at now? Do I miss the high of binging? You know, sometimes in all honesty, I kind of do miss the high that I used to get from restricting and then binging. Now I live in food freedom. Food is just food. I mean, yeah, it's a delicious part of life. It's a fun part of life. I still love the taste of chocolate, but it doesn't hit the spot quite the same way as it used to. I eat it whenever I want it. It's not forbidden. Therefore, there are no long periods without it and I'm not mentally restricting it. And so I know I can always have as much as I want when I want it. And so the high isn't there anymore. And I do miss that. So again, though, there is no way on earth that I would trade in the feeling of the high of the binge that I felt for what I have now. No way. And so how to let go of what you miss in terms of your eating disorder, to speak to Sarah's question, I'm going to put it in a generic way, how do you move away from missing blank of your eating disorder? This is my answer to you. It's more of a question. What do you want more? Thinness or recovery from the hellhole of restriction or being crazy around food? Food freedom body acceptance and sanity really begins the moment we decide that we want sanity and freedom more than we want thinness, more than we want our food to look a certain way. There will no doubt be triggers towards restrictive thoughts and behaviours along the way. There will no doubt be body image, diet culture or a desire to control. But when we decide that our mental health and happiness are more valuable to us than trying to control our food and bodies at all costs, when we prioritise our mental health, happiness and well-being over whatever rationalisation for restriction that our fear brains have come up with that day, that's when we can finally do honest, effective work towards healing our relationship with food and our bodies, that's when we're really on our way. Every moment that we make a choice to put our sanity and recovery first, freedom first, over our compulsive desire to control 
is the moment we stand for and move towards our own liberation. And with body image and self-love work, you can absolutely do this without a shadow of a doubt. So if you want support with this, reach out to me. As I said, I support women and men in a group environment or one-to-one. I make it work as much as possible. I don't think it's fair that just because you can't invest in yourself, you can't get the support. There's always ways around it. There's always ways that I can help you. So reach out to me. And I would be so, so, so grateful if you could literally take, what, five seconds to go to the main page of my podcast, wherever you listen to it, and just five-star review. And if you want to write some nice words about it, then please do. Please don't give any less than five stars because it doesn't really help me and it doesn't help people to find me. If you don't think it's five stars, that's completely fine. I don't want you to lie. Just don't review it. But it really, really helps people to get the help they need and I pour so much of my time energy love into these podcasts every single one of these episodes and just something in return not that I have to have something in return of course but I'd be so grateful if you could share it with a friend post it on your story tag me and review it I'd be so grateful all right beauties thank you so much for listening I have no idea how long I've been or 50 minutes almost Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. If you have any questions you would like me to turn into an episode, just reach out to me and I will see you next time. Much love. Bye. I hope this episode was everything you needed to hear today and more. If you love this podcast, then please screenshot this episode and share it to your Instagram or Facebook stories and tag me at Victoria Kleinsman so I can share you with my audience and we can get my podcast out to more women that need it. Also, I'd be super duper grateful if you could rate and review this podcast as it really does help others to find it. Thank you so, so much in advance and I'll see you on the next one.